This is Ron Friends, comics illustrator, and this is a bumper for the amazing Spider Talk. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I am the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Giannacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the first ever episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. And speaking of fans, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself for all the people who are new to the show? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Well, um, as I said in the introduction, uh, I run the website Chasing Amazing Blog, which documents my quest to collect every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. As of right now, I am currently two comics away from owning the entire run, although I don't count annuals, which has always been a point of contention between Dan and I. Uh, but uh, for those of you asking those two issues I am missing that I do count are Amazing Spider-Man's number three and number six. Uh, I've been reading Spider-Man comics uh, since the uh, mid to late 80s. When I was seven years old, I bought my first issue, Amazing Spider-Man 296. It was a Spidey and Doc Ock issue. Uh, I believe Doc Ock was afraid of Spider-Man in that issue, which I always think is kind of a funny thing. Um, you know, I, I, I live in, in Brooklyn, New York. I have a wife. I have a kid. I write for a living beyond my blog so uh dan does that sound like a good bio to you yeah that sounds good to me and what about you dan what, what tell us a little about yourself well uh my name again is dan gavazdan and um i do run superior com. like mark i've been reading spider-man most of my life i think i started when i was five years old around 1991 my first issue was amazing spider-man 375 i i bought spider-man trading cards i think for a while before that I don't know where my fascination with him stemmed from. I think my father introduced me to him before I can remember. Um, so I've been reading pretty much my entire life. And um, uh, during the day, I'm a school teacher. Well, at least for a little while. In about a month, I'm moving from Maryland to L.A. Uh, to go back to grad school. Yeah, you and, sell out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, getting a degree in film studies. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um but yeah, I all like Mark also collect uh, Amazing Spider-Man comics, and Mark is two away. I'm eight away, but I say that I'm nine away because I include Amazing Fantasy 15, and I will say this, Mark, I have all of the annuals. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, I think if I were, were to count the annuals, I'm still not that far away. Maybe I'm ten issues away. Okay. So it's not it's not like I don't own annuals, but I just don't count them because it gets me to the goal line faster. But <laughs> if you if you have them all, then so be it, Dan. <laughs> I do. I do, Mark. Let let's go. <laughs> and Amazing Fantasy fifteen uh, is a comic I would love to own someday, but something that I probably will never have the money to afford. So why even bother? Well, okay. I didn't think I'd have the money for Amazing Spider-Man number one, but I do own it now, Dan. Well, there you go. The, the, jealous. The, I am jealous. I am jealous. 
Um, so, so why don't we talk about what, what, what the first episode is going to be? Uh, we're going to follow a similar format to what we used to do with Superior Spider Talk, which is uh, in this episode we'll be discussing the newest issue, which in this case will be Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, number one, by Dan Slott and Umberto Ramos and a bunch of backup stories. Uh, we'll answer some fan mail, discuss uh, spider news, that's that, you know, solicitations and rumors and speculation. And then we always conclude uh, our episode, or we try to conclude every episode, or every other episode, at least, with a, a review of a classic issue, uh, kind of sticking with the theme of Amazing Spider-Man series relaunches and reboots. We're going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man number one, volume two, by Howard Mackey and John Byrne. Of course, if you want to skip to a specific section, you can just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. And also, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article video or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, we've blathered on long enough already. Let's get right to it and talk about Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, Number 1. it every time by saying volume three because that's going to get tedious after a while right no i don't i don't don't think so but for now i want to make sure people know what we're talking about you know as if they were lost or anything okay well well going forward i'm going to say amazing spider-man number one issue one and you'll know that i'm talking about volume three so let's talk about it and in that regard uh dan you know we we um kind of uh, talked about our disappointment with the way Superior ended, so there was a little bit of trepidation uh, for me at least in terms of how uh, this new era of Amazing Spider-Man was going to open up, and I think for a first issue, um, there's a lot going on, and it wasn't all perfect, but I, I, I gotta be honest, there was something fun and breezy, uh, familiar about this issue. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's Peter Parker back in the saddle again, doing what he does best. He's quippy, he's joking, uh, he's fighting ridiculous enemies like the Menagerie. Um, I, I, I was, it was an enjoyable experience for me. What about you? Yeah, I had a really great time. I mean, even if it's just for the change of tone that this book has, it's like a good breath of fresh air and reminds me of the, you know, the, the reason I initially read Spider-Man books. I mean, although I, I, I loved a lot of Superior, so not the sole reason I read Spider-Man books, but. Um, one of, one of the reasons I, I picked it up in the first place, um, I like the jokey, like nature feel of this issue while also having some consequences. It is nice to see Peter Parker back again, and I know we talked a little bit last episode or the final episode of Superior Spider Talk about the jokey Peter Parker, but I thought it was handled really well here, a nice balance. Um, Peter feels like a distinct character here, and, um, and I'm happy to have him back. Yeah, it's like having an old friend from college come back, you know? It's this, it's, it's this, like, I think the word I used earlier was familiarity, and that's really what it boils down to. Well, um, you know, this is a character I like. I like, I, it's why I started reading Spider-Man, is because I like Peter as a character. So, having him back, and, and it, it, 
it felt even though there were consequences there, there it, this wasn't a high anxiety issue i mean you know i think that's part of it too with um the way asm volume two ended with 700 and then throughout superior there was just a lot of anxiety to those issues like what what is going to happen how is this going to be resolved and it was kind of nice just to you know have a comic book story again without it being like this ominous end of the world although speaking of like major game-changing things we i guess we can't really dive into this issue without first talking about the opening panels of the story right yeah i mean they're very interesting opening panels uh yeah so so we we see a uh we're, we're revisiting um amazing fantasy 15 and and peter in the lab getting bitten by the spider his origin story the very very famous origin story considered one of the greatest origin stories of all time um and uh we conclude it by showing that there was a second person bitten by the spider and that a lot can happen in a split second um I don't know. I'm a little skeptical, but I'm also in wait and see mood about this. I don't know. Like, can can is 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 we we have retcons in comic books all the time, but is is retconning Amazing Fantasy 15 a, a smart way to go, Dan? I don't know. I mean, it's never uh, proven fruitful in the past. I mean, you can look at uh, chapter one for the last exa- <laughs> example of that, and it's. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about that a little bit later, I think, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a reboot in the 90s that was wholly unsuccessful and was completely forgotten several issues later uh, yeah. or, or forcefully forgotten. Um, I don't know, Mark. Uh, when I read this, I think, uh, you know, c- can't we create another situation wherein we can create an interesting character rather than mining the same thing over and over and over again or, or at least altering the same thing over and over again but that being said I read all these solicitations for like the original Sin um, books and something about them to me reads kind of like alternate university right. where it seems as if like all these huge changes are coming to all of their major characters and it's such a huge gamble. It either reads like a new 52 kind of thing or like that it might just be a huge lark and these characters will disappear. I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to read it, but something to me signals that this might not be a long-lasting change. Yeah, maybe this is going to be like Heroes Reborn or something <laughs> where they, they – what, what, was, what was the resolution of that? That they all existed in an alternate dimension and then came back. But um, I guess you know, for me – with with Peter getting bitten by the spider, I mean, you know, I uh, the big big reason why I don't want to see that get altered too much is, you know, the fact the uniqueness of the Spider-Man mythos is the fact that you know it's this kind of socially aloof average teenager. I mean, very intelligent teenager, but you know, like just a just a kid. Who, whose life gets turned upside down by this by this freak accident and and you know added this this level of specialness and uniqueness to him and you know you don't want to see that get cheapened by oh well there're more and then you know if there's a second who says there's not a third or a fourth or a fifth um you know the only parallel i can think of where this has been successful is and i know it's not exactly the same but you know obviously this would be near and dear to you Dan i mean you have Miles Morales in the ultimate universe who was also bitten by you know, an Oscorp radioactive spider. So, you know, and uh, Miles is is a great character. Um, So maybe there is potential there. But, you know, this is to to be mining from the original uh, origin story as an Amazing Fantasy 15, you know, from 1962, it's dangerous ground. Yeah, uh, and I agree with you. Let's wait and see how how it is. But, yeah, consider us cautious about it. 
Absolutely. Um, so, you know, with, with that taken care of, let's definitely talk a bit about, um, you know, the comic that followed uh, past this origin page. Uh, you know, we already talked about the breeziness and familiarity of it. Um, some really good jokes. I, I actually liked I, it's a little juvenile. I liked the, the missing pee pee break joke from Peter. Yeah, that uh, felt like quintessential Peter Parker to me, making jokes to the wrong audience. Yeah, you know, tough crowd, too. And I mean, it was a, you know, it's, it's one of the few times in a while, in a really long while, that I've, I've laughed out loud to myself while reading Spider Man, which is, again, like it's good to be back in that place. Um, and Naked Spidey, yeah, it was awkward, but I don't know. I, kinda, I, I had a good time with, with, with Naked Spider-Man. Yeah, you know what? I got to say, like, I think every joke in this worked for me. And, like, it, and if it didn't work, it didn't work because it was intended not to work. Like, it was intended to just be ridiculously corny over the top. Um, it actually yeah. kind of reminds me a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man and the way that he joked, particularly with the Kingpin, where it's just like you can tell this guy has just been thinking up these jokes like <laughs> over the past like several months and he's just waiting for a chance to – it's almost as if like in this one he like uses his Spider-Man personality for like therapy. It's almost like he wishes he was a stand-up comedian and he just uses this as his stage like, yeah, no, to get absolutely. it out of his system. Yeah, I mean, you kind of you kind of wonder if he has a rim shot going behind him or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I got to say, you know, Dan Slott, who is you know kind of the master of pulling um, obscure characters and wackiness out of his hat. Um, you know, opening up the first comic of a new series with him fighting the likes of White Rabbit and Hippo. And and it, it's not Gypsy Moth. What did Gypsy Moth change her name to? Uh, the 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 Skeener or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, that's just a total dance slot thing to do. I mean, you know, the, 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 the comic was kind of sold on, Oh, Electro and Electro does figure in, in the, in the backup story. But, um, I, th- there was a part of me, it actually, it, you know, I hate to say it, it echoed superior Spider-Man number one with him, you know, with Otto fighting the wacky, uh, superior six or sinister six, which of course turned out to be the superior foes of Spider-Man. But, um, I just kind of liked the randomness of, of the opening battle of this comic. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's not a particularly substantial issue, but it's a lot of fun to read. And I think a lot of that has to do with Humberto Ramos. Mm. Um, you know what? He is a welcome breath of fresh air back on this book. I, I know there's like a lot of people that hold – like, you know, I like Common Coley, but a lot of people hold his stuff over Ramos's stuff. But for me, Ramos is the best guy on this book right now and uh, and one of the best Spider-Man artists I think in general – um, and these issues showcase him at his best, you know, and, and especially with the tone of this issue, I think he fits in a lot better here than he did on Superior. Like, I just, it's just a joy to read his stuff. Yeah, the joy is the best word you can use, Dan, because that's exactly what comes to mind. And, and and talking of the tone, I mean, both visually and, and in terms of the text, I... I, I I have a lot of appreciation um, for kind of the theme of this story, which is this you know this idea of Peter getting a new lease on life and not taking it for granted. Because you know I think whether it's intentional or not, um, you know it kind of echoes the sentiments that a lot of fans, including you and I, uh, Dan, had um, about Superior as it was nearing its end. That not that we didn't enjoy it and think it was interesting and thought provoking and et cetera. Um, but that, you know, we, we, we wanted our hero back. We wanted Peter back, you know, like, like we, we didn't want to, we didn't want to have this, this gap without him again, you know? So, um, to kind of speak to that in the comic itself and have Peter, 
address that idea like you know i i want to i want to make this work and nothing's going to bother me you know it's all going to go go to hell for him any any day now i mean you know we got got electro and black cat gunning for him right now but for now i i like the optimism the rumors of my death were greatly exaggerated there you go, Great. Samuel Clemens Parker. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hysterical if Slot just killed him off in six, six issues again. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, at the end of Learning to Crawl and then Spider-Verse, which is the true Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was about to say, just kind of also jumping about like the difference in tone, um, you know, maybe this is just totally coincidental, but um, I do think it's it's telling that this was the first issue in a while that um, is just a sole slot script credit. There's no Christos Gage. And I know that we like some of Christos Gage's solo work. Um in, in in towards the end of Superior, but I don't know. There's something there's something about when when Christos comes in to to script over Dan's plots where I feel like just something gets lost and and that that joy that heart and soul is missing. You know, I feel like they're two very different styled writers, and maybe the combo isn't a, a good one. Um, you know, yeah. I think Dan slots a lot more breezy, and and Gage is much more character heavy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and putting those two together might not necessarily work. And uh, this this kind of re- gets me take me to my thought about this issue is, you know, we were very harsh on uh, on thirty and thirty one of Superior, and well, I wanted those to be different. Um, given what we were, you know, that is the conclusion of su- Superior. I I like all the consequences for Peter in this. Mm. Uh, it's not as much as I would have wanted. But uh, for what we, you know, what the status quo is, I think they were all handled very well. Yeah, I mean, I would say my only issue with the, in terms of the con- consequences with with Spidey is, you know, at least it's in terms of ASM one here, there, there seemed to be more of a focal point on kind of almost like, oh wow, Otto did all this stuff that was good or or different. Uh, in my life, there wasn't so much on this whole thing, you know, with like the Avengers and MJ and Aunt May, where you know the 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 damage that Otto did socially it didn't i don't feel like that came into it i mean you know the the new there was that one scene where the new yorkers were kind of booing spidey telling him to get lost and you know spidey's like oh i guess you know Otto didn't treat our fair new yorkers great but you want to know something they were booing peter forever you know <laughs> when did, yeah. when is spidey always you know when is spidey had a consistent amount of popularity in new york city yeah, it doesn't feel like that low for for Spider Man. Like this is kind of like on par for him normally. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, the fact that the biggest thing right now is obviously the Anna Maria stuff, which we'll get to in a second. And like, you know, oh, I have a doctorate. Oh, I run a company, which you know is going to set up complications, no question. But you know, like this isn't the end of the. Yeah, this isn't the death sentence for Peter here, you know. Whereas, <laughs> you know, his Aunt May severing all ties with him because you know he freaked out on her in uh, in that Venom arc. You know, I would feel like that would ha- that would have more weight behind it. Yeah, I mean, this is a weirdly apologetic issue to Otto, which I guess makes sense considering the tone of the ending of Superior. But it does feel weird to have it be kind of like fond on su- Superior Spider Man. I mean, I know we're fond on it. But, like, Peter was still murdered by this guy. Like, you'd think there would be a little more, uh, like, a a negative reaction and feelings towards the the actions that Otto has taken in his, you know, in his time away. Yeah. I mean, we did get an Otto reference in terms of um, 
Peter trying to access his memories for half a second before stopping. And, you know, I hate I, I hate to say it, but, you know, for those take, you know, banking on the fact that I will return at some point, you know, I feel like there's your there's your opportunity right there right yeah and i don't know how he would still have access to Otto's memories but i'm sure there's some weird way to explain it i did enjoy the beat where peter asks his like lab workers to assist him with something and they're all like cowering in fear yes yeah and i also liked him constantly repeating after um what's her name Sajani. Uh, Sajani by you know and stop repeating after me <laughs> stop repeating after me <laughs> What what do you think it means that uh, Peter is now severing his ties, like uh, like company wise with Spider Man? Like, what would the ramifications of that be? That's a great question. I mean, you know, it it, it was addressed obviously over the course of a couple of pages here, but like, I don't know. I don't know if this makes me a cynical reader or not. But like, I, I you know, I, I I I don't buy it. If that makes sense, like, you know. I mean, maybe it just won't be publicly like, oh, I, I'm no longer working with him. But I don't know. Like, how, how, how can he really do that? I mean, Otto said he was going to sever ties with Spider-Man and he couldn't do it. You know, I mean, like, is this, is this their way of making it so he can't use advanced costumery anymore? I mean, maybe, but that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm not, I, I like I said, I'm not totally sold on that on that status quo shift. Well, let me wait and see on that. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in where Parker Industries is going to go because there's a moment where Peter like can't solve Otto's, you know, cybernetics, cybernetics or... and things, and also that like the whole company, like a big portion of its funding is not only from you know Anna Maria or um, from you know his, Jameson. Jameson, yeah. Uh, but it's also from Otto's own supply of funds. Yeah, his Cayman and, Island accounts, right? Yeah, and that Carly but, has access to now, right? Yeah, I guess she does. Yeah, so there, she so knows about it. So there's uh, Chekhov's Carly Cooper investigation, right? Yeah, if she ever <laughs> de- deems to come back. But like, where's Peter's funding going to come from? You know, that's, that's a great question. I mean, that's obviously going to be one of the things that we come back to. I'm assuming. What about Jameson? What did you think about this turn for Jameson? <laughs> well, he hasn't started Papa, uh, Papa Jonas Pizza yet, which is disappointing to me. Although, you know, the way he was kind of sitting and sulking there, I was half expecting him to be like, you know, playing with an empty pizza box. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he did have a fair bit of alcohol. I wonder if uh, alcoholism is a path he might be heading down. Yeah, he might have to get together with Tony Stark then to go over that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> there is an interesting um, introduction in this. I don't know if you caught this. But there's this thing called the Fact Channel. Yes, this new news agency, right? Because yeah. I've not heard of them yet. All right. I did a, a search on the internet and couldn't find a thing on the Fact Channel. All right. It, it seems to be a new introduction, but it was all over this issue um, and even bolded uh, when when stated by some of the characters, which means we're meant to you know take a look at it, uh, you know. But more closely. So I wonder, maybe we'll get Jameson, the newsman on TV. Yeah, but who's going to be? I, let's I, let's let's place bets now. Who's the financial backer for the fact channel? Uh, I don't know, but maybe Alchemax. It's, I was going to say, I could see this being an Alchemax uh, reunion here. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, uh, just 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 a hunch. Uh, <laughs> or maybe Hollister will be back. Or <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so so do we want to talk a little bit about um, Anna Maria in this issue? Yeah, sure. I think it's a big part of this issue. Um, yeah, I mean, this is. I'm assuming in terms of um, 
the big shocking moment that Dan Slott was kind of touting on Twitter uh, was was the ending of this. Um, that's going to freak people out, and I'm assuming the freak out had to do with a couple of things. You know, Anna Maria. No, uh, figuring out Spidey's secret identity, but also uh, the the methodology for how she did it, which is through the freckles by his belly button, uh, which she would know because she's seen his belly button in many other parts of his body. Carly um, Cooper had ought to learn something from her deducing skills. Oh, <laughs> uh, although we, I mean, we don't know that Peter and Carly did anything, did we? we, we yeah, it was, it's it's more than hinted. Okay, well, either way. Carly slide whistle time. <laughs> or is that like a Carly hubba hubba or something? Um, yeah, where, did, where did she place on your countdown? She was number six, I believe. Okay, okay. She couldn't beat out Betty Brant, could she? No, Betty's got the history. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Um, you know, I do like that Anna Maria was dealt with right away, but... And I think I said this in one of my one of the superior reviews that we did. You know, this whole this whole mistaken identity and awkwardness, it just smacks of like cheesy threes company sitcommy stuff to me. And I don't know if I need that in a superhero comic. Do you know what I'm saying? No, because I really enjoyed this. Like cheesy uh, threes company stuff is what I read Spider Man for. To, to to that degree, though, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know I, what you're talking about. It seemed like fairly average for Spider-Man for me. I don't know. I, 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 I is there a moment in particular that bothered you? Yeah, the fact that the that she discovered his identity by by knowing what he looks like naked. Yeah, I mean, it's a little salacious for the book, but I mean, we. It's not going to be salacious. It's just like I don't know. Like Anna Maria was introduced as this very intelligent person, and like. You know, like, how does she figure out Peter's Spider-Man? Oh, by his naked body? I mean, I don't know. That yeah, seems, I guess you're right. That's cheap. You that's a little it, cheap to me. you put it that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did really enjoy that she found the ring with a list of, like, Otto's phases for, like, the engagement. Like, that was so creepy and funny and totally Otto. Right, uh, right. I love that moment. And I did. I did appreciate the misdirection when she was like, "Oh, hey, Slick, we need to talk." Because I thought it was going to be about the ring, and then it became something else. Obviously, so um, that that was fun. Uh, I just, like I said, I just I just don't want to see this become you know, like I said, Three's Company. Yeah. Uh, uh, as much as I love John Ritter and Suzanne Somers and Joyce Dewitt, see, I remember all three actors' names. I can't tell you who played Larry though. I've never seen an episode of Three's Company. Oh my goodness, Dan. Go watch Tree's Company. I'll do it right now. See you later, Mark. All right, all right. Come back and then see if that's what you want comic books to be. Okay. Five <laughs> hours later. Oh, it's more than five hours, my friend. That no, was like that's all, that's all I could handle. That's about seven seven seasons of fun. Don Knotts makes an appearance. Oh, I, come I do on. like Don Knotts. Yes. Anyway, this mistaken identity is about is is Jack Gay. Oh, it's just oh, hilarity well, of it. Speaking of mistaken identities, <laughs> oh, you're cutting me off. Okay, go on. Uh, I'm I'm using the cane to pull you off stage. Okay. Um, what do you think about the Avengers here? Like realizing that Peter was back. I I, I appreciated that. Um, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I I I, I have no objection. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing about that. So we just had, you know, a 16-month period where the Avengers were essentially written like idiots when it came to Spider-Man and his identity. I, I hate to boil it down like that, but it was. So to kind of have them turn around and be like, oh, that's our real Spidey, almost kind of felt like a cop-out because it's like, you know, 
you you doubted him somewhat, but like not really <laughs> uh, in Superior. Like you, you knew something was off, but you know you, you never took that extra step to really figure it out. You know, uh, we talked about this. Could they've used a psychic? Could they? I mean, there were ways to do this. You know what I mean? And they didn't. They just tested him to see if he was a scroll. The, um, the, the Avengers in this comic book have kind of been portrayed like the lone gunman. From the yeah. X Files, they're just like a bunch of kind of like nerds in a basement trying to figure something out. <laughs> if I told you I never watched the X Files, is that is that going to return? Do we have to trade DVDs now, or um... that might be a bigger sin? Oh, stop it! Especially from a fan of serialized uh, fiction. Okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll we'll we can we can lecture me about that later. Uh... <laughs> Here's your no prize, Mark. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Uh, well, you know, this is a new show, Dan, so people don't know about the no prize. <laughs> Yeah, you think you can get away with it now. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about some of these backup stories? Yeah, well, I want to finish off a couple more thoughts on this. Oh, please. What I did love, though, was the human torch moment in this. I thought oh, that was brilliant. Johnny just laughing it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of, like, little moments. I mean, there's a, lot of, a lot of this story is kind of little threads and, and it's kind of a good starting issue for that reason um there's a moment with m with mj which i thought was nice meaning you know clearly signifying that even though we thought she was kind of leaving the book she's still going to be a character in this and peter has a long way to go to regain her trust um, yeah but there was something and i don't know if this was meant to be what it conveyed but there was something about the way she closed the laptop and said idiot where you know i could see the smile on her face and just be like, yeah, that's my Peter. You know what I mean? Like there was, there was a, there was this. I felt like a sympathy and a and a sincerity to it. Yeah, I um, I do want to say though, and I know MJ is a supermodel, mm-hmm. but like, is there any way that Ramos could draw any of the women in any of these books so that they don't look like porn stars? Like. <laughs> Every single woman in one of these books looks like she has, like, fake boobs. Like, I understand it's his art style is, like, kind of manga-like. Uh, I'm sorry, were, were you saying pawn stars? Like, they're they're selling off their wares on a reality show, Dan? I wish. I wish. Uh, oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I just, like, you know, I, I feel like there are men of all different shapes and sizes throughout these books. But every single woman is, like, the hottest thing on earth. And I would love to see him tone it down at least for somebody you know even the villains like all of them are the hottest you know women on earth i guess people are fit but like come on now wow these are these are some strong strong accusations from dan kavazdan i don't know i mean do you not feel that way Uh, it's honestly that's comics you know i mean like i mean how is it any different than like what common coley did with mj in that one issue with the with the you know the pretty woman boots and the and the sunglasses and all that you know like it's this it's it's unfortunately kind of an industry standard that these women get sexualized and we could talk about why that's not a good thing but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, get I don't off know if it's that. I don't know if it's just a Ramos thing, you know. Yeah, I don't want to get off into that. I I, I just you know, it's just something that sticks out to me. It's like, uh, I, with especially with Ramos's stuff. I I I know it's his style, but it is like one thing about. I love his style, but it's one thing like his splash pages in this. I thought were wonderful, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it, it just I I want to see like. Gosh, heaven forbid, like, you know, I, I don't want to even get into this. Okay, <laughs> just you no, got it. Just note that, like, you know, I'd love to see some more modest treatment of women in comic books, and uh, and this is not it. All right, duly noted. Okay. 
Um, Let's talk about those backup issues. All right, backup issues. So, I mean, the, the two, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot here, I, and I, a lot of them were teasers for future series, but I felt like, I mean, the two most significant ones in terms of what the main arc is going to be in Amazing Spider-Man were these Electro and Black Cat stories. Um, I felt both um, were solid enough to kind of, you know, wet my whistle and get me to anticipate what these villains were going to be. Um, Electro... I, I, I kind of like this idea of Electron having, you know, with something to prove. Um, I feel, you know, because he is kind of a bit of a of a loser villain, but, you know, his longevity and, and whatnot kind of elevates him and obviously his role in the current movie. Um, you know, initially when I first read the Black Cat segment, I was like, I don't know, do I need to see like psychopathic Felicia on a, on a you know, a rage of, of vengeance? And the more I thought about it, I was like, no, you know, this is this, this should be fun. It's a new new wrinkle for the character. Let's see where they go with it. Um, I'm down. I think these should be some fun follow up stories with these two characters. What about you? Yeah, I had a good time with them. I'm not necessarily sure I understood why Electro decided to blow up um, the raft again. It seemed like an odd thing just to kind of orchestrate Black Cat's escape. But I love the idea that it actually might have been a, a reversal in that Black Cat caused his powers to overload rather yeah. than Spider-Man and it's all a misunderstanding. I kind of like that. And I love the portrayal of Black Cat going to jail. And it seems like an actual interesting place for her character to be rather than just the like flirty – like. You know, fling character, yeah, Yeah. yeah. because the character was always had a bit more depth to it, and I felt like that's been lost. And here, I I see a way for that to come back, and I like the way that Common Coley drew it. Uh, I thought it was a pretty, a pretty nice little tale there, and felt substantial. So, what you're saying is, you want to see Spider-Man meet Black Cat's mother again? No, I do not want that. (laughs) I I will go on the record and say that is the weirdest Black Cat moment in all of Spider-Man comics. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Even over her swimming in milk um, and having cats drink milk that she's been swimming in, which for personal hygiene reasons I find odd, but... I can't argue with that. No, not at all. Um, Yeah, so, okay, we're on the same page there. Um, What did you think of the uh, Joe Caramanga stuff? I thought that was it was fun. I love that one panel where he kind of sums up all of Spider-Man stories. You know, he's yeah. like, "I'm a down on luck guy that just barely makes it out in time, and then finds a way to overcome in the end." You know, like yeah, <laughs> basically summing up every issue of Stanley Spider-Man and and most Spider-Man stories uh, overall. Uh, I, I I I like that. Uh, it was it was fun, and uh, we'll get back to this later. But it seems that all these number ones kind of have like a story like that in them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the uh, 2099 story, uh, I mean, it was okay, I guess, right? I guess. I mean, like, I I don't know, Peter David. Like, why was this the story you wanted to tell with this character? Like, I don't really know. He's kind of beats up these two guys. And then there's this kind of reversal at the end that I didn't really understand. Like, did, did you understand what was happening there, Mark? The woman's like... Call the police if you want. They might show up. And you're like, wait, what does that mean? Yeah, it was strange. I I, I know what you're saying, and I agree with you. I mean, you know, I think it's it's so strange because, you know, there was this clamoring for for Miguel O'Hara. They finally brought him back. That initial arc I thought was a strong one. Then he kind of faded into obscurity. They kind of kept him around. 
primarily probably because they you know were trying to convince Peter David to do this this comic, and now they got him, and it's kind of like oh, you know, it, it's not like twenty ninety nine is enough of a of a has enough of a legacy where this thing is just going to automatically sell because it's there, you know. So they, I, I do think they need to be a little more strategic in how they're marketing this series because this could this could tank very quickly if if you know there's not a good hook for people to get invested, right? Yeah, I mean, this was just not. I mean, like, I'm excited for that story still, but like, it's not a great hook. I don't love the art, but I I, I could see where it might yeah, be Will, going. Will was Sliney, That's the last name. Yeah, that's it's Will. Yeah, Sliney. He I, did the I, backup in the last issue of Superior. I don't have an issue with his art, but I'm getting a sense that a lot of people do. So um, it's kind that's of something it's kind of stiff. I like the details, but there's something about it that seems stiff to me. Right. Well, they got Rick Leonardo, Rick Leonardo doing a variant cover on 2099, so there's that. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> cover, yeah. Um, and then um, I, the Kane backup story was interesting. I mean, you know, I'm, it still does not going to compel me to read New Warriors. I did that after, I did that for two issues and said, nope, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> I mean, what do you think was up with that? Was it purely a way just to try to sell New Warriors issues? Oh, no doubt. And I think I, I, I am getting the sense the, the more – and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit with when we go over C2E2. Uh, I do get the sense that Kane is probably going to factor into Spider-Verse significantly. Yeah, they did. They did make a reference to that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was nice to see the artwork was nice. Actually, kind of nicer than a lot of the books we were, art we were getting in Scarlet Spider. And it was the same artist too, is uh, David Baldion, um, who I thought really the, the last few issues of Scarlet were sloppy art wise, but you know, this one was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the depiction of Peter was a little awkward, but like I loved seeing Kane beat up the Santas again. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's not going to get me to pick up New Warriors, but like, I guess it was a nice recap of Scarlet Spider. Like, it almost felt like a better way to end Scarlet Spider than even Scarlet Spider ended. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because you know, from what I'm hearing, New Warriors is not doing so hot. So probably by the time Spider Verse comes out in November, Kane's going to have a lot of time on his hands. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so well placed story in that regard. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird that there's a whole fully powered Spider-Man swinging around out there that, like, might not have a book. Like, he's just this guy. Like, if you think about it like a real world thing, it's like, well, now we're going to forget about this guy, you know, who could be equally out having as many adventures as our main guy, just if he was written as well. Yeah, well, that's the key. I mean, I, I think, I think at this point, I, I mean, you know, again, we'll see what happens with New Warriors, but you know, if New Warriors um, does get canceled at some point, you got to figure that Canis is probably going to factor in as a supporting character uh, used with, you know, occasionally in the main Spider-Man universe. Because, like you say, you can't just unless you kill him off, you can't just have this guy out there doing nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he is a little important. So, what did you think about the Learning to Crawl teaser? Well, I was already excited for this story, and if I was excited before, this put me at a fever pitch. I love this. Did you like yeah. it that much? Oh yeah, no, I, I, I love. And I'm, I'm assuming this this young this young fellow who went to go see Crusher Hogan is this going to be the Crash character that got teased in the solicitations? Yeah, I mean, you see him creating the mask, and he seems to be sound oriented, which we've been teased before, and we were told that the character would be. You know, a big fan of Spider-Man, and I thought it would be Flash. You know, the name is Crash, and he's right. a big fan of Spidey's, but that's not the case. But I think this is a really interesting character, like a guy who's really like almost obsessed with Spider-Man. And you see, you know, his interactions with Spider-Man here. 
he sees him as this arrogant guy who gets women and um, it's kind of an interesting depiction of Spider-Man from the fringe, you know, without him experiencing the Uncle Ben moment. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and can we mark this as the third official appearance of Crusher Hogan? Yeah, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed the kind of like uh, outsiders look at the at this uh, time period. You know, seeing the burglar break into the building was kind of like an aha moment for me. I mean, did you really enjoy that moment? Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean this. No, this this is this looks to be a strong story. I mean, you know, I I I, I don't know. I, I I am less worried about the overall learning to crawl idea than. Um, than what we might be getting with the with the original Sin Amazing Fantasy fifteen tie in, you know? Yeah, this seems to be really reverential to the material, which is which I like, you know, quite a bit. And um I thought the art was gorgeous. Mm. Um although it is weird that they have this kind of like mix of time periods. Like he's got like an iPhone, but everybody is wearing kind of period clothing except for uh, you know, our main character. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, I mean, we'll see how they resolve that over the course of a full issue. I mean, I think that they're just trying to keep it contemporary but not tread on things. So I guess maybe, like, people are being extra hip. Like, everybody's a hipster in this, in yeah, this issue. Yeah. I don't know. No, def- I, 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 I definitely hear what you're saying there. Um, yeah. All right. Um, anything else to say about Amazing Spider-Man number one, volume three? I don't know, but I, you know what, Mark? And I don't know if you how you feel about this. I thought this issue offered a lot of material for how much it cost. Like it was five ninety nine, but I really thought that I got my money's worth. It was a good buy. Oh yeah, then I mean to top it all off, you got a free copy of In- Inhuman number one, which I, I didn't read it yet. But I mean, you know, in case you needed any other additional incentive to read this thing, I mean that's pretty impressive. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, it was a uh, you know, it's a whole extra twenty pages or whatever. Yeah, no, this was this was definitely good value. It kind of, I mean, you know, I felt even more value than some of the annuals that we've been getting that we paid an extra buck for. So, you know, kudos to Marvel for for really delivering here. Yeah, yeah, and I think I hope that you know it hooks some new readers. I mean, I thought it was you know accessible enough, but it didn't hit us over the head with exposition. And if it did, it was natural natural to the book. Yeah. So like, I felt okay, cool. Like this could get some new people, but it's not. For you know, forgetting about us, you know, in, in lieu of for them. So I like that about it. Great, excellent. So what would, what would be your grade, Dan? I'm giving this one a B plus. I had a good time with it. Excellent. Well, uh, I, I'm going to give it a B, and you know, a good solid start to what should hopefully be a, a new generation of stories here. So why don't we get to your comments and emails? Yeah, we wanted to thank everyone for submitting uh, comments to support the relaunch of our show. Your output was enormous, so enormous, in fact, that we think it would be ridiculous to read them on the air. We got about 35 comments, which uh, we can't thank you enough, and from all different countries all over the world. And, of course, we always need more to keep the show relevant on iTunes and draw in more listeners. So if you haven't already done so, please make sure you review us on iTunes. We still might even give away some prizes for those of you who um, haven't done so already. Mark, do you, do you want to uh, tell us what your favorite maybe comment of all of these was? 
Well, I mean, there were so many wonderful comments, but I, I do want to spotlight one because um, this person is cl- was clearly a listener of Superior Spider Talk because uh, their their handle picked up on one of my very lousy jokes that I cracked in the last episode. Uh, the name of this uh, uh, post is Bring It On, five stars, and it's by Papa Jonah Pizza. <laughs> don't, guys, don't support Mark in this endeavor. <laughs> we're gonna make this happen. No, Papa we're not. Jonah we're pizza. not gonna make this happen. Fresh I swear pizza, to God. fresh ingredients. Papa Jonah Jameson. Dan Slot better not be listening. If if, <laughs> if Jonah starts a pizza place, Mark, I I don't know what I'm gonna do here. You're gonna you're gonna applaud me. So anyway, Papa Jonah writes. For the past year, Mark and Dan have been serving up excellent commentary on the Superior Spider-Man era. This this sounds like a Papa Jonah uh, commercial. Uh, As well as reviewing reviewing classic issues, discussing news, and interviewing some of the biggest names to ever write and draw Spider-Man. Intelligent discussion, fanboy enthusiasm, constructive criticism, and no nerd rage. This podcast is like a nice hot slice of Papa Jonah pizza. I, I want to just completely discount that entire comment <laughs> because of the Papa Jonah pizza thing. Okay, fine. You got a fan, Mark. Uh, I'll leave you be. All right. Ka-ching. All right. Uh, <laughs> what about I, you, Dan? I had a favorite one. Uh, it's from Gaming Hermit, who I believe left us a comment before. Um, but I liked what he had to say here. It says, the most anticipated Spider-Man podcast, five out of five. And he says, I was actually bummed out when I heard you both say you were keeping the superior name. I'm super excited to see the name of both the comic book I love and the podcast I love change their names back to the one true Spider-Man name. Amazing. For anyone considering a Spider-Man podcast, this is it right here. Dan and Mark are both giant Spider-Man fans and and know a lot about history. They break down each issue, and it's really interesting to hear. I look forward to this podcast almost as much as I do the actual comic. Can't wait to read more of the issue and hear more of your podcast, gentlemen. Keep up the good work. And he's hoping that we do an amazing Spider-Man 2 movie podcast as well. Mark, is that in the offering? Uh, I, 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 as, as soon as I see the movie, Dan, I know you'll, you'll probably be there um, as soon as possible. With I'm there the... opening night, buddy. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I, 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 I'm going to try and see it, um, if not opening weekend, at least that first week. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we will, we, we will do what we can to make that happen. If it doesn't, it's my fault, not Dan's. Just know that. Well, um, guys, uh, I, I, the reason I like this comment was because he kind of commented on our name change. And uh, I'm glad you guys enjoy the change to Amazing. Uh, I know that we didn't take the change lightly. So we're glad to have everyone with us. And through your comments, um, you know, that we, we really appreciate it. And we announced that we would be doing a lottery for Amazing Spider-Man Family Business for everyone that submitted a comment. So what I did was I assigned a number to each comment, and I used a random number generator to pick who get, who got the um, the issue. So I'm happy to announce that the winner of the free Amazing Spider-Man Family Business is the commenter that goes by the name Atreyu862. So congratulations, Atreyu. Yeah, congratulations. So, I mean, if you email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com, we will send you your free digital uh, code for a digital copy of Amazing Spider-Man Family Business, which is a great book that we're going to be talking about in a future episode of Amazing Spider-Talk. Right, Dan? Yeah, our next big uh, episode, I think, uh, for uh, the first issue of Learn to Crawl, you'll get our review of Family Business. It's a big book, so we wanted to take extra time to consider it. Uh, Mark, do you want to get to the first email that we got? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, this question came in from our good friend Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence asks, in the issue, Captain America and Spider-Woman both know uh, Spider-Man's secret identity. When did they find out? Well, Mark, uh, when did they find out? Um, that was New Avengers issue 51, we said? Yeah, it was 51. Yeah, that was that was, and that was, I think, the first big reveal post um, Civil, well, for post Brand New Day and the Mephisto mind wipe. I think Peter then came out to the Fantastic Four soon after. Yeah, they saw um, the statues of of his, uh, uh, with his face gone, and then he revealed it. Yes. So, um, yeah. So that 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 answers that question. Uh, what what other question do we have, Dan? Okay. So our our good friend Tom Ayello, who writes into us. Seemingly every episode, which is great. So thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Um, he asks, what Spider-Man comic that you currently own that you could have signed by someone still alive, like what would it be and who? So, Mark, uh, who, who would you have signed what comic of yours? Well, Dan, um, I know you actually own this comic signed by this person. So this is kind of my jealousy moment. Um, so if I could pick anyone, it would be amazing. Spider-Man number 50 signed by John Ramita senior. Yep. It's my- <laughs> as I say, it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite Spidey comics of all time. And it's unquestionably my favorite cover of all time. Yeah. Um, I, that was my feelings about it too. And so I got mine signed by Stan Lee and John Ramita senior in like a really freak incident. So, uh, I believe we discussed that on the show before, haven't we? Yes, it was about your knowledge of Daredevil 16, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, strangely enough. Um, for me, I mean, this is tough because, you know, it would be great to get Stan Lee to sign any number of my Stan Lee, you know, issues. But, you know, or, or like Steve Dicko. I mean, he, that, that would be the real answer here. But that, that's not a reality. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if I could get Steve Dicko to sign my issue number 33, I mean... Who, who boy, that would be something else. Who boy? But that's uh, not going to happen. So if we're talking in the realm so, of reality. So reality, yeah. What are we thinking, Dan? If I had to choose, you know, I got Mark Bagley to sign my Amazing Spider-Man 375, which was my first issue I ever read, as I said earlier. So maybe I would get David Michelinie to, um, to sign that book as well. Oh, there you go. That's that's actually pretty good, you know. And and I, I I had an opportunity lost. I should have when I when I met Alex Saviak at New York Comic Con. I should have brought my two, ASM two ninety six with me. But you alas. mean you didn't do that? I did not. Oh, I, I I was I was working alone at Comic Con, Dan. It was a hard day or hard four days. So yeah, there was no I, time I for signing. <laughs> You're like I remember the emails. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's Mark's emo emails. Yes, exactly. So uh, <laughs> we have some other big news that we want to talk about here, Dan. Right? Yeah. Um, so uh, this is the time of the show where we thank all the wonderful people who have decided to donate. Some of their hard-earned money to the show. And this week we wanted to thank James Winstead for his donation to the show. Oh, thank you so much, James. We really do appreciate it. We yeah. know that it's hard-earned money, though, Dan. Maybe maybe it's money from the Cayman Islands a la Doc Ock. Well, if James Winstead, if you're, you're a supervillain and, uh, and you've been uh, stealing money from the vaults around town, I guess we shouldn't really thank you. Um, no, but, we can uh, thank him. We can yeah, thank him. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, just don't get caught. Yeah, don't get caught. Don't do it in our town. There you go. There yeah. you go. All right. Well, th- well, again, thanks, James, supervillain or not. Um, we are also excited to announce, drum roll, please, 
the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. It sounds like something Stan Lee would have created, Dan. Uh, <laughs> that was the point. Uh, this is our brand new subscription service for our show. Uh, we all need your support uh, in order to keep our sites and podcasts ad-free. However, we don't really like the idea of taking your money for nothing. So we wanted to offer you something in return. If you guys go to our site and click on the support button and donate to us, you'll be entered into the subscribers database and be an official member of the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Ay, ay, ay. Why did I name it that? It's $20 a year. That's about $0.60 cents a show. So for every $20 you donate to our podcast and sites, an additional year will be added to your membership. And what do you get for joining our membership? Tons. Tons? Tons of fun, Dan? Or just and more. Okay. Well, let me tell you about some of those tons. Members will be entered into a raffle every show for free digital comics and Spidey swag. We will also be uh, recording listener-requested content that could be reviews of comics that you request or topics that you want us to talk about. The only way to request something is you become a member. So what are you guys waiting for? Just head on over to our pages and click on the support button now and become a part of the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club, the most long-winded club title this side of the Marvel Universe. It's just $20 to get your name in the membership sheet, and you'll start receiving all kinds of great stuff from us in emails, on the show, everything. And you'll have the pleasure of knowing that you're helping our show exist. And that's a pleasure indeed, right, Dan? Yeah, and if you've already sent us money, don't worry. I've already added your name to the list. You're one of our first three members of the club. So uh, thanks for supporting us so far. All right, so now that we got that through, why don't we get to all the spider news that's fit to print? Mark, we had a big thing happen uh, over the weekend, uh, C2E2, that's the Chicago Expo, uh, and that deals with a lot of comics, and um, they had a Spider-Man panel there where they revealed a lot of things. Mark, what kind of stuff did they reveal? Yeah, uh, well, Dan Slott wasn't at the show, but um, those in this place were still able to talk a lot about what's going on. Uh, We learned that Josh uh, Fialkov's Amazing Spider-Man Who Am I uh, Infinite Digital Comics series is going to be starting on May 6th. Yeah, it looks Uh, like they're releasing like six issues at once. Wow, that's pretty crazy. How are we going to review that, Dan? Yeah, it sounds like a Netflix show. (laughs) I did not realize that, Dan. Um, We also learned that the symbiotes, the symbiotes will not be in Spider-Verse, which uh, I'm fine with, right? (laughs) Yeah, me too, me too. Um, we learned the names of the uh, the second person bitten by the radioactive spider. It's a female character named Silk. Yeah, and we uh, saw that uh, the image of her costume, which is should be down in your player right now. It's kind of interesting. She's like all webbed up. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll definitely see where they're going with with Silk. A nice uh, Humberto Ramos design there. Yes, yes. And then we also learned that uh, Spider-Man Family Business, though, though the comic that we just gave a free digital copy away of, uh, is a number one uh, New York Times bestseller. And there's, there's going to be more of these original graphic novels coming down the pipeline, right? Yeah, I mean, a New York Times bestseller, that's pretty great for you know, something as you know, obscure as an as a, as a original graphic novel. So that's pretty uh, good news, I think. And, and you know, maybe we'll see more of these James Bond stories. 
Yeah, I, I, I really did enjoy it. We'll get to that when we talk about it in the Learn to Crawl episode. But um, yeah, no, that's that's a good thing. And you know, you put you put top talent on something like Mark Wade and James Robinson and Gabriel Delato, and you get rewarded for it. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, we also found out um, not at C two E two, but uh, via other channels that uh, Superior Foes of Spider Man is going to live at least a little bit longer, right? Yeah, we know that um, the the covers uh, were sent out for for issues sixteen and seventeen. Steve Lieber has a very chatty Twitter account, so I I recommend you follow him on on Twitter, and he tends to be a little um, I guess cavalier in the details about Superior Foes, and I don't really see why. Why not? I mean, the book needs all the kind of like press it can get and and news about its continuance that it can get. So um, this is pretty low key, but yes, it looks like Superior Foes is at least going to seventeen issues because you know we got. Uh, uh, he said he's going to draw covers for sixteen and seventeen. Um, yeah, I mean, as long as these aren't more filler issues like what we've gotten the last two times out with from Superior Foes, I'm happy with that. Yeah, what's weird though is like we got the solicits for July and it showed issue 13 mm-hmm. coming out in July, which means we have issue 11 now, which means by July we're only going to get one more issue. So there seems to be a bit of a break going on there with like two months and only one book. I reached out to them and they responded to me on Twitter, but I don't know that uh, you know uh, Nick Spencer or Steve Lieber really understood what I was getting at. Um, they didn't seem to think that there was a break going on. So I don't know if it's miscommunication on somebody's end. But, uh, yeah, it looks like there might be a little bit of break. I wonder if this is to kind of retool the story in, to allow it to go on a bit longer. Yeah, I, 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 who knows. But, I mean, you know, as long as we get back to the basics with this series, it's, you know, having more of it is certainly something I'm excited about. Yeah, we also saw um, some preview art for – the new Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man number one, which had a bearded man under lockup in, uh, I guess, what remains of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Ultimate Universe. And that man looked a heck of a lot like Norman Osborn, which I think was pretty much corroborated by the cover to uh, Ultimate Spider-Man number three after the relaunch um, with uh, the Green Goblin fighting Miles Morales. It looks like maybe my worst fears have come true and Norman Osborn did in fact live after the death of Ultimate Spider-Man and that weird ending with him smiling. I was to say, you never liked that last image, right? Yeah, I even brought it up to Mark Bagley back in our interview episode with him and even he seemed to be a little confused by it. Yeah, uh, so... Um, but well, there's also a tease of the return of Peter Parker um, yeah. in that universe, which has me really excited, although... I can't imagine that it's going to actually be him. Although we got Norman Osborn miraculously back from the dead, so why not Peter Parker? Well, you, you never know, although that would seem pretty pretty cheap at this point. But, um, you know, for all you Ultimate readers out there, stay tuned. Yeah, uh, it seems I'm like sure. some hot stuff going on in that book. Yeah. And you can, of course, get your Ultimate reviews at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, right, Dan? Yes, you can. We got some really great reviews up there. So, um, yeah, the issue uh, 200, we gave a 10 out of 10, our first one, and uh, I think it really deserved it. Excellent, Dan. That's good to hear. Um, so why don't we uh, go from 10 out of 10 to Mackie Byrne. Mm-hmm. 
we do we always discuss a classic comic on the show and today we're discussing amazing spider-man volume two's number one um mark in terms of rebooting the series what did you think about this mackie burn reboot the mackie burn reboot well um there there there's gonna be an uh, if it hasn't released yet there's gonna be an upcoming gimmick or good column uh about this because of the uh, the, the, the gimmick of good is the 90s comic book column I do for comics should be good at comic book resources. Um, and, um, what I, what I basically mentioned about, uh, this comic is it's not that it's bad. It's just dull. It is so dull and so pointless. <laughs> and what did you think? Am I just being way too harsh on this thing, Dan? I mean, I don't think it's a bad comic, um, like the dialogue is way too heavy, and like nobody talks like this. No. And the pacing is really slow. But I think there are good ideas in this. I mean, one of them isn't that like the Peter Parker's status quo, like as a quitter. I don't really know that I want to read that character. How about you? No, no, definitely not. I mean, and it's not. I mean, I know that we've had these stories in the past, you know, Spider-Man No More obviously being the one of the more famous ones. But there's like, you know, there's a real kind of stubbornness to Peter's quit this time, you know. And and that kind of seems to fly in the face of, you know, with great power must also come great responsibility. That's, you know, I I think it kind of pushes uh, the envelope a bit too far in this regard. Um, I mean, for those of you who haven't read the issue, the issue is about Peter having quit being Spider-Man and made a promise to not do that anymore, is living in a like high-rise, really expensive apartment funded by Mary Jane's modeling career. Um, and all of the heroes of the city are looking for him, including the Human Torch, who's written a message in the sky. Um, and then like the Scorpion arrives and starts beating up people and killing people. And then a mysterious Spider-Man character appears out of nowhere um, to beat Probably- him up. Probably gets uh, his butt kicked, too. I mean, that's Scorpion, the new Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, kind of both of them trade blows. But, yeah, he gets crushed below uh, some rubble. And then Peter goes to get a, uh, start his job at Tricorp, which actually I think that was the most interesting thing for me to read in this issue. Was After reading this, it reminded me that like Big Time is almost an exact copy of this. I mean, down to every single plot point. Um you know, you've got Peter going into a big company that has a, no- a limited number of spots for people interested in particular things. It's funded by, you know, one big person, and he's going to be the new think tank guy. And then they get attacked by something that he has to save them from. Um, there's even a guy who looks just like Max Modell in this, to the point that I was like, wait a minute, is that Max Modell? It's not, but it might as well be. He's like a guy with a red beard and mustache and ponytail. I mean, it looks just like him. Yeah, but the difference between this and and big time is big time. Big time is fun. It's joyful. It's it's Dan Slott at his Dan Slottiest. Whereas, I mean, you know, in in the late nineties, you know, Marvel was going through a lot of weird and and bad stuff in terms of its you know back office uh, things. 
uh, bankruptcy filings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they were kind of going through the process of rebooting and rebranding a lot of their uh, major series. And Spider-Man was like a kind of interesting, like one of the last dominoes to drop uh, in terms of um, – uh, the, the, a reboot. Um, you know, they had already gotten to Fantastic Four and Avengers and Iron Man and all those other series beforehand. Uh, so when they did do this, you know, they they ended they they uh, ended amazing, spectacular, and Peter Parker Spider Man, and then just kind of consolidated uh, the the line into two books: Amazing and Peter Parker Spider Man. Um, and you know, for art, they got John Byrne, who you know, while not the most liked person in the comic book industry is certainly someone with uh some some clout uh but for scripts they, they you know for whatever reason they went with howard mackey who i, I mean mackey you know everyone i know who's we've talked to dan who's worked with howard talks about what a great guy he is and i'm sure he i'm sure he's a wonderful a wonderful man a wonderful human being but he 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 just did not write great spider-man stories <laughs> it's just no way around it <laughs> I, I'm 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 there with you. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with like how things are resolved. I mean, there is a, an interesting mystery in this. Like, who is this new Spider-Man character? I mean, no matter how the resol- how lame the resolution turned out to be, um, and and it does an okay job, I guess, establishing a new continuity. But like, it throws so much character development out the window. I mean, Aunt May and Jonah like appear to be the same person they were in the first issue they were ever introduced. Yeah, and the Aunt May stuff I feel is is especially abhorrent because, you know, keep in mind Aunt May had just been resurrected in one of the stupidest storylines ever. Those who listen to Superior Spire talk uh, know that we uh, I at least cited this as my least favorite Green Goblin story of all time because, you know, Aunt May, who died this beautiful, tragic death in Amazing Spider-Man 400, uh, I shouldn't even say tragic. She's an old woman and she got sick and she died. I mean, but it was a very beautifully done issue by J.M. DeMatteis and Mark Bagley. Um, you know, they, they, they conjure up a way to resurrect her by... Um, by having Norman Osborn kidnap her and then hire an actress to get plastic surgery and then pretend to be her and die, uh, which is just ugh. don't ugh. forget about the DNA matrix. Oh, and the DNA matrix and the DNA bomb in her brain. Uh, yeah, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I love how Aunt May just like brushes this aside in this issue. She's like, "It's so funny that someone would want to act like me." Oh, uh, what a fuddy duddy. Yeah. Here, have your wheat cakes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's 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 such a callback to her in Amazing Fantasy fifteen and it's like she hasn't acted like this character in years. I mean, like, you know, hell, I mean, even uh in the seventies and eighties, you know, she's running the boarding house, she's she's you know, protesting for senior rights. I mean, you know, like other creators tried to make May more interesting and and, and you know, Howard Mackey's and John Burns uh decision was to just bring her back to her very earliest roots, which I think was just a very poor decision and a waste of a resurrection because if that's, if that, why, if, if they're just bringing her back to just kind of be the albatross for Peter again, then that's ridiculous, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, I, it, for me, it was almost worth it to go through this just to get JMS's portrayal of her, which I think is the best portrayal of, of Aunt May from any writer. Oh, no question. I, I you will n- not hear an argument from me on that, but I mean, yeah, I mean that that but that was a lot of crap to go through. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of crap to go through. So <laughs> what's what's interesting about this issue and all the issues from this kind of reboot early on is how expensive they are to buy as a collector. 
I mean, I know you and I, like, I don't know how you got this issue, but they're very, there's a very low print run of these because it was when Marvel was self, self-publishing and they were going out of business. And uh, so they didn't make a lot of copies of this book and, and, and all these books. Like, I, I think I probably paid like 30 some bucks for some of the like teen issues after the relaunch. Because they're so hard to find. Yeah, I mean, I think issue one is one of the easier ones to, yeah. to find, just because you know, as an issue one, they probably had multiple copies. Although, if you do find that sunburst variant, that's a collector's item. Yeah, and the normal cover is just flat out ugly. I think. Yeah, I mean, Byrne does both of them, but I, I feel the sunburst is a better is a better cover. It's funny that they didn't go with that one for the actual cover. Well, you know, well, because the original one is 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 you know. I feel it's trying to evoke Ditko. It's not, but it doesn't end up doing it. But like, I feel that's probably what they're going for. So, and, and you know, so that's probably why they went with it. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. Oh man, those 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 volume two issues. Like, I I I have to say, I'm proud of the fact that I probably never spent more than maybe fifteen or twenty for any of them. But I mean, yeah, you you got to dig high and low for these things. Well, if the, you're trying the, to... the Carnage Silver Surfer issue, I think, is pretty desired by some people. Well, that's not volume two, though. That's um, that's still volume one. Oh, yeah, you're right, it is. And I but found it's still that... during the low print run. And I found that, Dan, in a dollar box. Can you yeah. believe that? Wow. That's well, that Carnage Silver Surfer one. That's like, that's like one of my proudest buys. And that wasn't like that long ago. It was maybe like seven or eight years ago so you know at that point the word was out and people knew that they can get a good return on it so i don't know how it ended up in a dollar box but that's I found funny it. because i i saw it in a dollar box too but i didn't think anything of it because it was back when my collection had not reached that point yet and then you know boom i went to go look for it again it was gone and then i ended up paying top dollar for it well were you at a comic book uh convention at a vfw in new jersey because maybe we were going through the same box <laughs> no i was here in maryland okay just just checking <laughs> that would have been weird our hands lightly touch while grabbing the comic <laughs> we look into each other's eyes and then i go mine <laughs> yeah and, and we were we were somehow destined to podcast together uh i did i do remember at, the, at one of those shows seeing an issue six which is one of my remaining two issues for like 200 bucks that that probably is something i should have bought at the time <laughs> yeah uh, do you have any like lingering regrets like i saw an amazing fantasy 15 that was a 6.0 cgc graded for five thousand dollars and it kills me that i didn't buy that um Oof, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I have more regrets about comics I did end up buying versus the comics I didn't. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, a lot of times, like, you know, I, I, I kind of, when I go to shows and stuff, I have an idea of, like, what what's in my budget and what I'm willing to spend. And if something is out of my range, I don't dwell on it too much. Um, but there are a bunch of comics that I bought because they were there, they were available, and they were cheap. But then, like, after the fact, I was like... Oh, why did I spend money on this? This is really bad. And I have a, you know, my most famous one is an issue of Amazing Spider-Man 25, which I bought when I was in high school, which is, you know, first Spider Slayer. And this thing just looks like a truck ran over it. It's just terrible. It's yeah, terrible. I feel that way about my Molten Man issue. Uh, oh, yeah. I actually have, I found a good one, a Molten Man. That that's That black like, cover one? Yeah, Ugh. that's a tough one to find. If you get, because the thing with that, with that cover, if it's in low grade, it's just done. Uh <laughs> But but twenty five, especially with the with the yellow cover, like it feels like every dirt and dust mark just like clings to it. And I, I, I honestly, I bought it because uh, I was with a group of friends in high school, and one of the friends I was with owned um, 
from his from his dad a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 32. And I was so jealous that he owned this old vintage issue that I was like, I need to find something older and be better than him. So uh, and this that guy, so you, Mark. I know you know me well. Uh, <laughs> so you know, fifteen-year-old me uh, picks up issue twenty-five. I only paid twenty bucks for it, but I, it's because it's you know it's a twenty-dollar comic in the condition it's in. You know what I mean? It's it's probably <laughs> it's not quite. It's probably like a good minus. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not it's not like ripping and falling apart, but. Man, oh man, it is just in rough shape for for my standards, and I would have rather have, you know, spent four times that and get a better looking copy of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Getting back to the uh, sorry issue, guys, <laughs> very <laughs> tangential. No, it's really interesting. But uh, getting back to the number one issue, uh, I think it's funny because this one also features like our, our our featured review on this episode. It, you know, it features these backup stories, and it tells the origin of the new Scorpion, which I thought was just you know. Ridiculous! It was just like, oh, here's two pages of something that probably should have been happening at the beginning of this comic. Right. Um, (laughs) But it's funny because it echoes big time because if I'm not correct, uh, the like end of like the first or second big time issue features Scorpion getting a new costume as well. Um, And this one also features a uh, backup that explains Spider-Man's history, just like the Joe Caramanga one we got. In this new number one, although this one features the chapter one origin, which is just oh god, chapter one. Yeah, there's going to be something on chasing amazing on chapter one to coincide with learning to crawl. You know, kind of a lessons learned in in, in dabbling with the origin. <laughs> yeah, yuck. I don't uh, want to talk about. Yeah, it. we we can move on from that. Um, I will say this, um, and maybe this is a, a bit of a. Um, a bold statement, but you know, when, when you talk about nineties and Spider-Man, you know, there's a lot of pretty crappy storylines that people will, will, will slag on. But, um, you know, the big one, of course, being the clone saga, I would take clone saga over this Mackie burn reboot any day. Cause at least the clone saga as poorly executed as it was, I felt like they were at least making bold choices with it. They weren't great choices, but they were bold. This just feels like it's, just retracing the same old ground as we've talked. Very slow pacing. Burns' art is okay. I don't find it to be all that. I, I kind of felt it to be a little paint by number. Um, there's nothing. I mean, I, I guess because I've seen Burn do considerably better in like X Men and Fantastic Four. Um, but um, yeah, I, I would take I would take the crap of the Clone Saga over this. This isn't the bold and the beautiful. It's the bold and the boring. Yes. Yes. Well, how bold though. <laughs> um so um yeah, so Amazing Spider-Man number 1 volume 2. I know that we did not compel you to go out and read it, but hey, if you want to know what we're talking about, you can, you know, obviously uh if you don't want to go digging through dollar boxes to see if you can land a copy, if you have the Marvel Unlimited uh, uh service on your uh on your iPad, you can read it there and uh or, you know, Find or find a copy and buy it, right? Yep. Well, Mark, it looks like it's time for us to wrap things up here. Of course, you guys can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and the old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com. Or you can find us on iTunes by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure you leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the air. If you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, Please email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read them on the air. 
Yeah, and be sure to check out both our Facebook pages at facebook.com slash superior spider talk and facebook.com slash chasing amazing because they're great places to keep up with us between shows. That's where we put up the articles that we've written and other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe. And, of course, it's a good way to get in touch with us. Yeah, of course. I love using Facebook and uh, lots of good good, uh, community building there, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dan, where can we find you uh, on the Internet? Well, you can always go to my webpage, dangavazdan.com. You can follow me on Twitter at at dangavazdan, or you can visit my Spider-Man page with all the wonderful work being done on my website at superiorspidertalk.com. We actually have this really great piece if you're a collector of Spider-Man toys up, documenting all of the uh, toys that are coming out with Amazing Spider-Man 2, the movie. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and uh, you can follow that website online and most, most of my Spider-Man ramblings at at uh, Spider Talk on Twitter. How about you, Mark? Excellent. Well, Dan, you can, of course, find me at www.chasingamazingblog.com. Uh, just uh, this week, Dan, uh, I announced that I am a proud owner of Amazing Spider-Man number one. I got an outpouring of support from uh, a lot of my readers and on Twitter and on Facebook from that. Uh, thank you all very much. I mean, I'm just a guy who collects comics, and I, I feel like by one way or another, you've kind of become invested in this chase with me, and that's kind of... Um, kind of overwhelms me in a very, very strange way. So, uh, I, again, I, I thank thank everyone for for the kind words and you know support you've been giving me on that. Um, but on chasing amazing into May, give, going with the theme of all the new comics going out, we're gonna we're gonna do something on my site called Number One Month, where we're gonna be looking at number one issues uh, from various Spider-Man titles over the years. Um, so be on the lookout for that. In addition, you can find me on Twitter at chasing ASM blog. Um, and you can uh, find me on some of the other sites that I write for, including Comics Should Be Good, where I write Gimmick or Good, and WhatCulture.com, where I write lots of top 10, 15, and 20 lists about comic books. That's awesome, Mark. And hey, congratulations, man. I, I, I figured you'd be the first one to get there. And when I found out about your number one in August, you know, that was when, when we met for the first time. Uh, I'm going to say, I think you came in the night that I got that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we went to Connecticut Comic Con the next day and you, you came in and it's like, hi, I'm meeting you for the first time. Here's issue one. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a cool way to meet you. And uh, it's, it's been weird being the other guy that knows about this. Yeah, you know, I have to. Uh, I have to be honest. I was meeting you for the first time. I, ca- I kept looking up where we were, where I was storing an issue on. I was like, that better not have legs, dang <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, this whole thing has just been a way for me to slowly uh, steal your collection. <laughs> well, you won't find the rest of it where where you were, so that's okay. It's in an undisclosed location. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, maybe it's in the Cayman Islands. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everybody for listening to the first episode of our brand new show, Amazing Spider Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure you donate to the show and join our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Ugh. <laughs> That's going to be a thing. And, uh, yeah, and you come back for our next episode where we're discussing Learn to Crawl, Amazing Spider-Man 1.1, and Amazing Spider-Man Family Business. Absolutely. And, Dan, you know, I know that we're now amazing and not superior, but um, I think the lesson of our great uncle Ben still holds true, which is, with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk. <laughs>